Hook 'em up with E and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Well, shiny ribs to open up the fabulous fifth quarter on a Monday. Good, bad, and ugly from the weekend. Longhorns lose. That certainly is bad. The good side is they stayed in the top ten. Number nine. Did you notice, Rod, that they're ahead of six and zero USC? Texas oh, yeah. is still ahead of an undefeated USC team because the Trojans had yeah. to survive Arizona in overtime, three overtimes. Well, and USC will have their chance to get bumped. Like they, they play they, Notre Dame they next. Late, yeah, they play in, in a later part of their schedule uh, in terms of the Pac-12. Um, they'll play multiple ranked opponents at the end of their schedule or toward the end. Uh, Caleb Williams had a pretty good game, but the Arizona defense actually did a nice job against him. But 3-3 three and three Arizona played USC in a tri- triple overtime and lost. But how about the young quarterback for Arizona? Wow. Uh, they're, they're, they're Delora, their their starter was hurt. This guy, Noah Fafita. Noah Fafita. For Write the freshman? name down. Fafita. 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 A freshman from Huntington Beach, California. This dude threw for 303 and five tutties in Fafita. the loss. Fafita. I like that. Fafita. Man, the Pac-12 quarterbacks, even the backups are bone. <laughs> yeah. Like, what the hell, man? That, that, is, that, that We've never seen the Pac-12 look this good with all quarterbacks. the quarterbacks. Well, and Rod, credit to you, and you said it's it on crazy. Uh, on our Saturday morning pregame show, and I know on Friday, too, when we did our extended coverage from Terry Black's Barbecue <laughs> with our friends from inside Texas. By the way, thanks to our, our buddy Richard and the team at One Source Gas of Austin oh, yeah. as well for helping us get up there and back. Hey, now. And bring you that coverage on Friday afternoon from Terry Black's. It was tremendous. Actually, I brought home a plate of leftovers, too, Rod, that I had yesterday. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, sounds man. so good. How about leftover Terry you got Black's? Some, you got some still at the, at the crib? Well, my buddy Wes Murray from Broadway oh, Equipment cleaned came you out. out. Well, he, no, but he, <laughs> he came with a big group uh, where we were on Friday, and he bought a bunch of food, bought too much, and so he oh. made me a plate that I drove home with you on Friday You're always night. supposed to buy too much when you're at Terry Black's. Like, if you go, you're supposed to have, like, that oh, yeah. leftovers at least for the next day when you go well, to and he was kind enough to give it to me instead of taking it back to his hotel room. Oh, man. It's pretty sweet. That's uh, freaking but awesome. Yeah. But, yeah, man, the, USC's time will come, and that's why they're they're behind Texas now because that defense is going to get them beat. I mean, there's just no doubt. Um, you, just don't know how, you just don't know when it's going to happen and how it's going to look. Yeah. <laughs> Caleb Williams is still great, but, man, that that defense has not improved. Well, Lincoln Riley's now, I'm telling you, man, he's unfortunately now there is a rep, he's got a reputation and there is now a, a, sti- a stigma about him that he, he is an all offensive coach and he doesn't care about defense and i thought he would fix that and he doesn't coach USC. physicality right he clearly doesn't yeah. practice physical enough because yeah. his teams aren't physical enough and doesn't matter how talented they are and that's where i'll turn and give brett venables a lot of credit because i you know in this game i i i picked texas to win by 10 34 24 I think I clearly – I don't think I overestimated Texas or overrated Texas. I still think Texas is a really good team. And, you you know, the, the schedule that they've played, they've been fortunate not to you know to see some backup quarterbacks, but I think they would have won those games regardless. Yeah. Um, but, again, I mean, Alabama's only losses to Texas. Wyoming's only lost to this point. We're now in the middle of October, Rod. Uh, Wyoming's only losses to Texas. Kansas has only losses to mm-hmm. Texas. I mean, these are good football teams that they're, they're beating. Baylor's the one dud. Even Rice is a over 500 team right now. So they've been battle-tested, and you can't take that Alabama win away from them, which is going to be huge if they can battle their way back to Arlington, yes, Rod. Because we said even throughout the week last week, you know, we may see Oklahoma twice, and winning the second one is going to be the most important one. Uh, this one is a big and a rivalry game, but even if you lose this, you can play your way back, and I still think they can. But I'll give Brett Venables credit, because if I, over, I didn't overrate Texas, I underrated Oklahoma a little bit. Uh, yeah, we all did. I didn't think yeah. he could get that team turned from what it was last year to this. Because that's a pretty damn good team, Rod. I think they played a really good game. 
had a really good game plan that they had to, you know, the schedule to kind of build ahead of. Mm-hmm. But uh, they were prepared, man. That was a really that because again, you're going to play Oklahoma every year. Doesn't matter which conference you're in. Yeah. You're playing them every year. You now know Brett Venables can coach it up, right? And I don't think it was a surprise, but at the same time, what you saw last year from that team left you wondering, is this job too big for him? I don't think so. They're number but, five in the country now, and they earned that. Yeah, but I totally agree. I think you hit the nail on the head with all that stuff. I'll add to it that, man, having a quarterback, it, it makes a huge difference. Remember last year, they didn't have one. They literally didn't have one. They didn't have a company. They didn't have one that could take a snap <laughs> at all. So in addition to yeah, all they the, had no chance in that. Yeah, yeah all the other deficits they had roster-wise, talent-wise last year, at the most important, most the most valuable, and the toughest position to play in all of sports, they didn't have a guy to do that. Um, and this year, you flip it, and not only do they have a, a quarterback that can play at a competent level and a really high level, but he's more comfortable in his offense, the Veer and Trude offense, um, because he's been playing in it for six years. He's more comfortable in that offense than any other quarterback in the country is comfortable in their own offense. And he was the first real quarterback. And we kept saying this over and over again. Kept beating this dead horse. First real quarterback Texas was going to play. They had lucked out. Thank God. Thank the football gods. They had lucked out. Faced three backup quarterbacks in a row. And I believe that it gave Texas coaches, and me as well, and us, a bit of false confidence about what that defense was capable of. Well, and I'd also say, because we were talking about them being an elite defense, they were. Exactly. The yeah. other thing that we talked about late in the week was, you know, in addition to being seen backup quarterbacks, all the opponents in the first four games were run based offenses, right? They were from Alabama to Wyoming That's to Rice. Yeah. They were going to be a run first team. This was a pass first team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their strength was their quarterback and their receivers. Their receivers. And so Texas is secondary, and it certainly didn't help to have Ryan Watts out. Your starting corner, who's played the most snaps of any player on your team this year up to that game, outside of Jalen Ford. And then you lose Catalan early. And Catalan was flying around making plays, and all of a sudden he's out out of the game on a fluky knee injury. And we'll get an update from Sark on that coming up today. Because we know why he was on the pitch count. Yeah, man. I mean, mean, it was just such a weird – he was just jumping over a pile. Yeah. And got his knee rolled up on a little bit and um, didn't return. The Jake Majors injury was big. All those things are big. Same time – you know, Oklahoma did a hell of a job. Can we hear from Sark on the uncharacteristic nature of his team, the nine penalties more than any game this year, penalty yards more, three turnovers, which enforced by Oklahoma in a lot of ways. But here's Sark on the uncharacteristic nature of his team on Saturday. Some of it was a little frustrating because it was just out of character for us. You know, and that, that's the hard part as a coach that I have to drill back down into of how do I make sure that I have our guys, you know, really ready to go play. And I felt really good about it. I really did. And I, these guys will tell you I told them the same thing. Um, but that's that's the life of, of a competitor and a football team. When, when you're not at your best, can you find a way to win? And I, like I said, I thought our guys showed a lot of fight and grit and resiliency to put ourselves in position to win a game when we weren't at our best um, against a good football team. And... Um, you know, we did that, and so I was really proud of them for that. I was proud of their, their ability to fight back uh, when we weren't playing great, when, when the game was kind of slanted, uh, we were kind of playing uphill there for a while, uh, and to get all the way back to have the lead the way that we did, it, that, that took a lot of resiliency from this group, and uh, I credit them a lot for that. There, there are two things I want to credit Sark with um, that I thought showed his maturity as a coach. He knows now how to coach in the Texas OU game. That that that's not easy for a lot of coaches. They don't know. I think in his first year, he really 
learned a lesson about how the momentum shifts. You got to get it back. And how teams try to monopolize momentum and how the energy in that stadium goes back and forth. And, yeah, you have to answer and respond. And you have to try to take the momentum back when your opponent gets it. They could get a number of ways, a defensive play, tackle for loss, sack. Maybe it's a big you know, shot downfield, whatever. But you can feel it. You feel it in that stadium. As a coach, you, it's palpable when the momentum shifts because of how unique the environment is. And when you feel that shift, it's up to the coaches and the players, by the way. The players, you're a veteran player. You feel it, too. You got to go, oh, man, we got we to make a play, guys. We got to make a play. The, the, the tone is shifting. The momentum is shifting. We got to match energy. We, gotta, we cannot allow them to monopolize the momentum. Sark. He learned that lesson, and that's why that first quarter, because Brent Venables knows that lesson because he's coaching this game, that's why it was such a heavyweight fight. They just were trading haymakers because both coaches were paranoid about the other team monopolizing momentum and harnessing all that energy. And that's why Sark had a he had a, a, a kickoff return throwback ready that they didn't execute. He had the fake punt ready to go. He had the fourth, the fourth, uh, the fourth downs ready to go. Uh, they went and uh, blocked the punt, too, uh, early on in the game. And Sark was asking the postgame, hey, did you um, call those plays because of the circumstance of the game, the way things were going, or did you have them ready to go? He said, I had them ready to go. He knew. He's like, I better, I gotta have stuff in the chamber ready because when when they make a big play and they they monopolize the momentum or they get the momentum, you can't allow them to monopolize. You get it right back, and they did. They kept trading it back and forth. I'll give Sark a lot of credit for that, man. That is maturity in this game. You must respond. You must answer. And he did. Yeah, they did. And I think they were on their way to being a fourth quarter team again until the last minute seventeen, and that's the real frustrating part because they had dominated the they fourth quarter them, up to that they? point. Did yeah. they outscore them basically in the second half? And as I've said all morning, fourth I think quarter? that uh, that 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 one sack really sh- threw Sark off. Sark, you could tell, had this killer killer instinct. Let's go end this game. Let's go punch it in the end zone on the final play of the game. Looks like we did Alabama. We'll run out this clock. And the sack on first down was really big. Uh, really changed the way they had to attack it because then you had to protect the field goal range and. Yeah. Uh, unfortunate, but it's part of football. Give the Oklahoma player credit who made the sack. Can I play you a little bit of Brett Venables? Because he was asked after the game, to your point, Rod, can you coach the intensity of a, of the fourth quarter? It's of It's not Oklahoma? after the game. It's in August. This is it August? This is from. That's why. The, that's why the clip is so is so timely. It's okay. actually from August, and if people are asking him, hey. How can you get your team ready to go? You're going to have a lot of new players. How can you get this team ready for Texas OU when they never played in it? All right, good point. I thought that was just posted. so I thought, Yeah, it man, is. It's just posted, but it was from a while ago. All right, so here's yeah. him talking about what we saw. And, you know, rep it. you got to be able to rep it. Here's Brett Venables on getting ready for the passion and the electricity and the energy of that game. You can't practice the pressure and the tension. You can't. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you can. And I believe it starts with the coaches. This, you know, if if it ain't, you know, game seven mentality from the coaches, then then, then it ain't going to be for the players. If it ain't the biggest third down, third and fourth down period that you've ever had in your entire life as a coach in that moment, then it's not going to be for the players. And and I believe in living and dying in that moment. I believe in that, and I believe in that 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 atmosphere. And it's our job. Uh, to create that environment, to create that buy-in, uh, to create that response, uh, to create that sense of urgency and that s- sense of desperation. That's how you chase excellence. Ooh, pretty good stuff right there. It sounded like that's exactly what they did. They played with a sense of desperation, like you said, man. They, they played they, desperate football. Mm. I don't yeah. think I've ever heard Brent Reynolds not screaming in a press conference before. Was, I think he's learned, too, not to let emotion like kind of overwhelm him as a coach, that he's got to take a more pragmatic you know, I mean, rational approach to it. You can't always just lead with emotion every damn time. You can't. You can't. 
Was he a head coach? it through a little bit. No. Before no. Clemson. No. Never no. has been. Bob yeah. Stoops plucked him. He was Bob Stoops' defensive coordinator forever, then went to mm-hmm. Clemson. Uh, that was a bit of a rift, too, between Bob Stoops, Mike Stoops, and Brett Venables, and he took the Clemson gig. Um, you know, he, he, he's and he's shown he's a big game coach. That was a big game performance. And, yes. again, I'll – I'll be interested to see that team without Dylan Gabriel because Jackson Arnold's the future of the position. Mm-hmm. But man, that Dylan Gabriel, you you said it, Rod. He he knows that position better than and that system. He he could coach it as you said. He could coach that system to the next coach. No maybe, maybe they'll hire him, Rod. They, I'm serious. I think he he, he could coach. I don't think he's an shoot. NFL quarterback. We'll see. Yeah, maybe a little undersized for the NFL, but man, he showed a lot of skills. Oh. And the Texas Longhorns with, with, with two starting two missing defensive backs as that game went on. They haven't seen a quarterback who will go through two, three, four progressions in a read, right? They mm-hmm. won't. They've not seen a quarterback who understands, um, and that's the difference. And I thought you made a great point Got when you said you said if they had maybe not getting to see Jalen Daniels the week before against Kansas might have made the game more perilous, but it would have prepared you more for what Dylan Gabriel brought exactly. because you didn't expect his legs to be as big a part of the game plan it was, and that. That was the that was the blitz, right? That was the surprise party it was. that they pulled on Texas. Was all of a sudden this Dylan Gabriel run package on mm. top of his ability to throw the football? Yeah, tied for his uh, all time career uh, lead. Uh, sorry, career high, I should say, in rushing attempts with fourteen, and of course his career high in rushing yards with like one hundred and thirteen. Um, and I look back, I look, when you look at the design runs. It was that quarterback draw that was probably most devastating in Texas. They they got not only a touchdown that quarterback draw, uh, but they also got 59 yards rushing on that uh, quarterback draw. There's five of them. Um, so you're talking about averaging you know over 11 yards per rush there on the QB draw. You average over nine yards per rush on scrambles. He had four scrambles, uh, two, two 10-plus-yard runs on scrambles, had four 10-plus-yard runs total, 48 yards after contact. That was it, guys. The difference in the game is Dylan Gabriel had a stat line look like Vince Young. <laughs> that's essentially what, and that he's got that dog in him. We got to accept that. We didn't think Dylan Gabriel had that dog in him. He got that dog. He does. got that dog yeah, in I, him. And man. I, I knew he was a good player, and but boy, he was great. I mean, he was he played a Heisman moment game. Oh man! And guess what? He's going to be in the Heisman talk if he keeps putting up these numbers. I mean, we told you what he's coming into the game. He had put up. You know, over seventy-five percent completions, and you know what that game ends up reminding you of. It reminded me the more it went on, Rod, of kind of the o the o eight game that ended up forty-five thirty-five. But Oklahoma was, was playing the role of Texas. It was a great game. Oklahoma right. took the Texas side of it, and mm. you know, I think Oklahoma. Remember when when that game in 08, Oklahoma came in number one in the country, right, and had Sam Bradford and all the defense, and. You know, that game, they lost their middle linebacker in that game. Who's that linebacker? Uh, number eight got hurt. And yes. that's when Texas started to attack the middle name. of the field. Yeah. And their backup linebacker, kind of like Texas losing their center, right, mm-hmm. at the beginning of the game, really impacted the rest of the game for Texas. And it's not an excuse. It just was a factor in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, 08, Oklahoma was the favored team in number one. And it was this kid, Colt McCoy, who was completing like 80% of his passes. That's true. Who showed up and just balled out, right? Jordan Shipley balled out. Mm-hmm. And... But what ended up happening that year, Rod? It was Oklahoma that played for the national championship. Very true. No, you good point about the end. And, and, and this Gil, Dylan Gabriel, 75, 80% of his passes. Uh, yeah, but he hadn't played anybody. Well, guess what? You, if you're completing 80% of your passes against air, Rod, that's pretty good. Um, I'm with you. Like, I, I, we knew he was going to, you know, be a. He was going to be a problem for Texas because they haven't faced a quarterback like that. We just said no. He would have his. We said he had to have his best game of his career for them to win. What would be the odds of him having his best game of his career on that stage, first time playing in the Texas OU game against the best competition he's faced? Yeah, that's what dog. That's what being a dog is all about. It's like he cha- he he found a way to have his best game ever on the biggest stage of his career, arguably against the best opponent of the season. 
Oh, yeah, it got that dog in them. Well, I think this got- season could play out similarly. <laughs> I mean, if Texas can get back to Arlington and they well, – the interesting thing about their next six games, I mentioned the combined record of their next six opponents is eight and 15, 18 and 15. But the combined road records of the next their next three road games are under 500. So they don't have another real – I mean, the, the Iowa State – I mean, Kansas State is here. BYU is here. Houston's there. TCU's there. TCU's now 3-3. Three and three. Iowa State is there. Mm-hmm. Those games look very winnable, and this team has shown to be a, a, a capable road team. The home games are BYU, K-State, and Texas Tech. You can run that schedule. You can run that schedule. And guess what? You now have two weeks to get better at all these things we're talking about, the red, the red zone issues. Um, the quarterback gets another week of seasoning. Mm-hmm. And so if you get back, now look, you still need West Virginia to take a loss. And, you know, the problem would be the worst-case scenario would be that if West Virginia keeps winning and, beats and then they beat Oklahoma, Ooh. well, now they're getting the rematch. But that game's in Norman in November, November 11th. When Texas is at Fort Worth, West Virginia will be at Norman, and we'll see if Neil Brown, Neil Brown's team had their bye. You know who didn't step up in their biggest game? Who that? Dak Prescott. Oh. Dak you? Prescott sucks. Oh. <laughs> can I can I play you, Dak Prescott? The big Dak energy after the oh, forty-two to do. ten crush. Oh no! Big Dak energy did not happen. Um, we will we will get Dak Prescott here coming up. Oh man! Yeah, I, listen. I think Dak he's at a crossroads in his career right now. I think we're we're firmly at the crossroads where it's got. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, and we said going in, this weekend was a kind of a statement. It was. Could Brett Venables coach in that big game after getting humiliated last year? Could Dylan Gabriel rise up? Quinn Ewers, I thought, had counted himself very well after the rough start that Brett Venables and his defense helped create. And, and even Sark responding. I think, I think you know, they, they all come out. You feel good about everything that happened at Texas OU, except for the loss. But how about, uh, as you said, Rod, I think the same thing was for Dak. That's, that's a good way to put it. Career crossroads for Dak Prescott right here. I think so. I, I think at this point we don't know because the, the the argument was last season after all you threw all the interceptions was that he's regressing. It's clear Dak's regressing. Dak has already peaked, right? Dak has plateaued as a quarterback. He's not getting better. All right, you're not seeing him evolve. And the, now they're the, building the offense. Use him less. Yeah. So I, the argument for the Dak supporters was no, 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 no. That was an outlier of a season. He's gonna he's gonna get right back on track to getting better and be a better version of Dak in a new system that's more Dak friendly. And it just doesn't look like that's happening. And then maybe the Dak haters who were claiming, man, he's regressing, he's getting worse, or the NFL's catching up to him, or that he has plateaued, that he's peaked. They have more of a case today. Uh, absolutely. Than they've had in a long time. Let's hear yeah. Dak after the uh, three interception performance. I remember last year he last week he was snapping at reporters for asking about yeah, last year's about game. About interceptions. <laughs> yeah. Here is uh, Dak after the uh, humiliating loss. Yeah, I guess that that's a good word in a sense. Um, didn't see it coming, as you said. Put everything into this and uh, got punched in the mouth. Um, called a couple of weeks ago, humbling against Arizona, uh, but this may be the most humbling game I've ever been a part of. Um, Felt good about the preparation, felt good about everything, honestly, coming into this game, matchups, and they beat us in every aspect. Yeah, I mean, you got to give them credit. A team like that, uh, powerful, powerful offense, discipline on defense, uh, and then when you start out two, three and out drives and a turnover on the first three possessions and just give them opportunities after opportunities, um, it's always going to be tough. And uh, to, to, I guess to go to answer what, to speak on what Mike is saying is, yeah, there's a lot of self-inflicted things, but you, we can't do that in a game like this against a team like this. So that's that's part of being far off, and that's part of closing the gap and um, getting better. 
Yeah, I mean, I understand what they're saying, but it has to be devastating for the Cowboys because all of their moves and acquisitions, especially so far in the offseason, have been to to beat the 49ers, right? How do we upgrade this roster so that we can have a better chance at beating the 49ers, competing with the 49ers? And then the litmus test turns out, it seems like the 49ers have actually separated from you. Like they've actually, instead of closing the gap, the gap has widened between you and the 49ers. And that's got to be just, like I said, devastating. Yeah, because they made the big move for Christian McCaffrey last year at this time, the, the missing piece. And now Brock Purdy has become the the quarterback. Can I give you a stat for Cowboys fans that'll make them so sad? On top of already the darkness, hello, darkness, my old friend that they're feeling right now. Yes. Um, so the Cowboys. Uh, if you go look at this, and if it feels like you're t- you kind of in like a Groundhog Day Cowboys, it's because you are. And I found this stat, and it's a crazy, mind-blowing stat. So if you look at the divisional round, look at the Cowboys have yet to return to NFC Championship, posting an 0-7 mark in divisional round. <laughs> the Cowboys are one of the they are the only franchise with two quarterbacks to play in three or more divisional round games without winning one. And those two quarterbacks are... Romo was a miracle. Amen. And small Dak energy. So... Dak Prescott sucks. Oh. Yeah. So if you're thinking like, damn, I feel like we're the only team that gets to this point in the divisional round and we just can't, we just stuck, we can't get past it ever, you would be correct. You're the only franchise with two quarterbacks to play three or more divisional round games without winning one of them. All right, we'll come back. Great stuff from Rod Babers. He'll take us behind the burnt orange curtain one more time. What's popping before the end of the hour? It's the National League taking center stage tonight and Monday Night Football to get you ready for and what's popping. Also, we'll, uh, you know, the Cowboys kind of know what they have at quarterback. It's not surprising. Texans, they have a quarterback. They didn't win the game yesterday, but their quarterback continues to break records and turn heads. We'll get that coming back. Hook them up with Ian Rod B. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers. Hook em up. 1019 AM 1260. The Horn. Say it ain't so. We're already getting the Big 12 tiebreaker rules questions on the text line, and this is a fair one because Texas fans want to be back in the Big 12 title game. Mm-hmm. They've got to win out. They also need West Virginia to lose now because it'll. Texas is 1-1 one and one in the Big 12. West Virginia's 2-0 and oh with Oklahoma. Surprising 2-0. Oh. Most surprising 2-0. Oh. But uh, can Neil Brown's team run the table? We'll see, right? I mean, they their one loss, by the way, was to Penn State to start the year, so that's a non-conference game. Uh, they're not ranked, but I was looking at the Big 12, and it's – so Rod, if if it if if multiple if, if we have a uh, two team tie, okay. Um, well, this will be the third team, right? So if Oklahoma, because if or this is assuming Oklahoma runs the table from here and are undefeated, right? Oklahoma take a loss too along the way, and still make it. This thing's gonna get. I'm not going into the tiebreakers till we get closer. It's not. It's not. It's <laughs> it's too ridiculous. <laughs> too much mental gymnastics. And, yeah. Well, yeah, it, so. it, it's not what it, I mean. Because remember, in 2008, which I drew a comparison to this game, reminded me of the 2008 game because. They just rolled role reversal. Mm-hmm. Texas played the role of Oklahoma did in 08 as the higher ranked team and the favored team, and um, but in 08, if you remember, Rod, it was Texas, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma. Yep, and they each beat each other essentially. Texas beat Oklahoma. Oklahoma beat Tech. Mm-hmm. Tech beat Texas. Tech, yeah. So that then it went to to highest ranked team, I believe. It was the way the tiebreaker played out. 
it's, this one's going to stay in conference. But look, there's so much football to be played. West Virginia will come out of their 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 bye at four and one, undefeated. Texas just needs to handle their business and let it fall. Is it fair to say that if Texas doesn't get to the Big Twelve tournament, Big Twelve championship game this year, something went horribly wrong? It's a disappointing season. No, I'm gonna say something went horribly wrong. Yeah, agreed. I'm with Texas you. does it, considering the Big Twelve that I've, I've been observing. <laughs> Wouldn't you say this, E, that this Big Twelve is down? Oh, terribly. This is exactly. the worst I've seen in a very long time. Yeah, I was gonna say how many? Yeah, what's the last time we seen the Big Twelve this bad? And maybe it's because well, Texas and Oklahoma, we already look at them as SEC teams, so we're already taking them out of the mix. We're not even looking at Texas and Oklahoma as a part of it, and we shouldn't. But when was the last time that? The Big 12 was this bad. It is, it's it's been bad. this bad in a long time. Hey, my preseason prediction for TCU to win, only win five games this year. You might be on to something. I thought you'd be crazy saying that, but I ain't going to lie. You might be on to something there. the Cowboys in the Super Bowl. Um, well, well at least he, <laughs> he doesn't have to worry about walking to Dallas. That's a, that's a damn good thing now. Rod, he Rod, to, Rod, that Rod. stresses Rod. off his I know point. we're new to the show together for a couple months now, but <laughs> I, I never worry about that. Yeah? It's not ever worried me once. It's been 20, how many years? 24? Uh, since 1999, so so you're 24 years, yeah, 23 years. We'll, <laughs> we'll celebrate the quarter century coming up, <laughs> and 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 I, honestly, stressed less now than he was <laughs> 20 years I'm ago. Never stressed. Oh man, as long as it's Jerry Jones, and we played the audio last week. Mm-hmm. You're reminding people of why Jerry and Jimmy broke up, and the bitterness, and he's still the pettiness has still not put him in the Ring of Honor. That is petty, man. And he oh. said he's going to put Zeke in the Ring of Honor. No, he he say that. Yeah. Might put Rico Dowdle put in the ring of honor before Rico Dowdle looked way better than Tony Pollard last night. He did. He has all year. I, I, would, he, I would say he's been saying he has a nice burst all year, though. He does it's have explosive. a nice little burst. And I think I wonder if Tony Pollard's you know fully recovered from that that foot, or he's not as he explosive is. as he was. I don't, I don't think anybody is the right after you have that type of an injury. It's probably half the injury, half the O line just hasn't been. But Dowdle does all. look more explosive when he's in the game. Uh, it's kind of like in in Miami. I was watching the Dolphins. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I have Raheem Mostert as my running back, and he's been pretty good, but. Devin A. Chain is, yeah, yeah. is unbelievable. He's on nuts level. Every time he gets the ball, it's like he's, he's got averaging 13 yards a carry. I know. It's like Terry Kill <laughs> just handing really? the ball. That is nuts. That's amazing. They got him in the third yards round. yards per carry. Yeah, pretty scary. And that's the end. Uh, and this is, look, I don't want to say the, the, we know college football is becoming more and more like professional football. Mm-hmm. You know, but, but for the Longhorns to go up and play an uncharacteristically bad, bad game, let's not throw out the baby with the bathwater. This team is still talented. They're still really oh, yeah. good. Uh, it's kind of like the Buffalo Bills, right? They lose, they beat Miami, turn around, and lose to Jacksonville and London yesterday morning. Uh, but they were talking about how the the travel delays. I mean, they they didn't look like the same team. No, and listen, this we we never thought this Longhorn team was going to go undefeated. I had them ten and two. I think you had them ten and two. Yep. E, somewhere around there, I believe. You now had I think them. I would be disappointed in ten and two because uh-huh. I think if they get back to the Big Twelve title game and don't win it, I think it would be a disappointing. Well, season. that's what I said. If they don't get back to the Big Twelve title game, something went horribly wrong. Horribly wrong. Like so, that was either an injury or Sark. Sark just kind of lost his way as a coach, or this team got distracted somewhere online and let a trap game get them something like that. So if they don't get back, something went horribly wrong, and there'll be an indictment on. Sark and coaching staff. I don't think that's the case. I think they are going to get back there. Um, but I will say that, man, if it's really tough to beat an opponent twice. If Texas and Oklahoma end up facing each other again, it'll be really, really tough. Um, but man, honestly, I I can't wait to watch that matchup. I don't want to start counting for the edge, right? but it it would be that'd be a remark because I think Oklahoma, like you said, the way you're putting it right now, e they'll probably be a top. If they They're take care of business, now. if they end up back there, yeah, they'll be they'll easily be a top four team, top four or five team. And the narrative around Oklahoma, um, maybe that's why they I underrated them a little bit is that they're I'm so disappointed in the schedule that they got, but it's the schedule they got, and they got they got handled a really easy schedule this year, and they handled yes, the non con. Yes. Now they're sitting in the top five with mm-hmm. a win over Texas. 
Oklahoma hasn't doing Texas hasn't fallen out of the top ten, so that's still a top ten win. Yeah. They, it's gonna be oof. The one to watch is they play UCF this week and when they come off their bye. Texas and Oklahoma both get their bye now. Oh then they'll get UCF. Then they have to go to Kansas. If Jalen Downs is healthy. Yes. That'll be a, a interesting match. Have to go to Kansas. Yeah. Then they have to go to Oak State with Mike Gundy. That's a rivalry. Home to that West Virginia game we're talking about. Then they have to go to BYU all the way out in November. It's a tough stretch. That's and four then games. TCU at home. That's that's a four game stretch. Pretty tough. Yeah, they they'll they'll prove it. And if they can get back, Texas wants to do the same. Real quick, Rod, before we go behind the burn orange curtain one more time on this Monday, uh, we haven't talked. We talked a lot about the Cowboys and Longhorns. Texans did lose, twenty one nineteen. C.J. Stroud again through through no picks. He's now gone five games without an interception as a rookie. That breaks the record, right? He sets the record for most uh, pass attempts, consecutive pass attempts without an interception to start a career. He and, passed Dak, actually. And he went on a drive to that, that could have been or looked like it could be a game-winning drive, right? Took the Texans down the field, stuck them in the end zone on a touchdown pass to Dalton Schultz. Beautiful, you know, kind of throw them open kind of pass over the back shoulder. The accuracy continues to be on point. Uh, his problem, they didn't have a run game for most of that game. Damian Pierce got cranked up a little bit late in the game, but it ended up with 66 yards rushing, and they were second and third and long a lot in that game. Atlanta's defense has improved, but I thought I, I still am very, very high on this quarterback, Rod. I think he's really good. When they get him more weapons and a stronger running game, Houston's going to be a factor in the AFC South. I know, I'm so surprised the running game isn't working. I, it and, really is astounding because Damian Pierce is one of the best rookie running backs in the league. I think they'll last get it now. And Titus Howard and Laramie Tunsil will back for this I know, game. That's even more. Reason and they were actually that. playing Titus Howard at left guard. Uh, I think they're going to work him back into right tackle, get his get his legs under him they're a little bit. Trying to bit. get their best five out there. Yeah, and so injuries. they kept George Fant at the right mm-hmm. tackle, and he got every time they tried to run right, it was not good for him. Uh, they had a trouble. They had trouble that way. But you know, Howard and they so they're, they're getting healthier. I think Houston is going to be a factor. Now, Jacksonville had a huge win yesterday beating Buffalo. Trevor Lawrence finally played a big game. Travis Etienne kind of finally broke out. Calvin Ridley. And they beat that Buffalo team who had been so good all year. Yeah, that was surprising. And Buffalo lost Matt Milano. Yeah, their middle Heart linebacker. Hearts all their defense went out with what looks to be a pretty severe Damn, leg so they injury. they lost the starting corner again and lost the yeah. middle linebacker. Probably the yeah. two best defensive players. You might be right. Yeah. And yeah. Then, but they did get Vaughn Miller back. He was back okay. and playing on some pass rush downs in that game. And he'll get better and better hey, as how they about go. Desmond Ritter, though? I didn't realize he is undefeated in college and in the NFL at home. Yeah, he's a good home quarterback. He's not good on the road yet. And by the way, Bijan Robinson with stat. the catch behind his back. I mean, sweet. That catch. was crazy. And he didn't have to corral it with two. He just caught it with one. He kept his and f- eyes it with one. And he almost put it behind his back for a little while. He almost did like a Magic Johnson. Move. What? That was sweet. I don't think he really meant to. I know, to but that just shows how athletic he is. For most guys, that looks clumsy and you, you, you fall and the ball goes somewhere else. It it's, looks red. He made it look like seamless. And it's like he made it look like he did it on purpose. It was so smooth. The 50% luck on that one. It was a great man, he got good luck, though. <laughs> Desmond Ritter yeah. over 325 yards in that game. He only threw the one touchdown, and that was to Bijan on that little shovel pass. Good play by them. That was a good play. Bijan. Of course, the one week I don't start Kyle Pitts in fantasy for the past two years, he actually does something. Seven <laughs> catches, 87 yards, yeah. Well, Texas defense still pretty good against the run. They weren't so good against the pass. They need to get Derek Stingley back on the field uh, ASAP. J- Jalen Petrie's trying. He's running around trying to make all the plays for Houston, but uh, disappointing loss. All right, what's popping coming? Right now, one more time behind the burn orange curtain with Let's do it. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right. Let's talk about the first two plays for Texas, which um, honestly were a little disappointing because I thought Sark lacked you know, creativity and innovation there. He, he kind of went back to some recycled 
leftovers <laughs> from his bag. He was in a big game. Sark breaks out these play designs you haven't seen and um, kind of really funky motions and shifts. And you start thinking to yourself, man, he's been working on this for a while because it looks, it looks like uh, you know a, a game plan designed for a, a marquee game. Um, and you can see the different ways he's trying to manipulate and expose defenders. We didn't really see that in this game. Um, the first two plays, take them. The first two plays, the first play was out of 12 personnel. All right, came out of 12 personnel, and they ran, uh, it was a That's twin two tight ends stack. And a running yeah, back. one back, two tight ends. Um, if you've been listening long enough, you should know that. All right, how <laughs> long y'all been listening to me say 12 personnel and give you the exact uh, breakdown of what it is? Come on, guys. All right, um, now they had 12 personnel, and they had stacked twins opposite of the uh, the offset wing, which is when they have two tight ends on the same side. So they had stacked twins, A.D. Mitchell and Xavier Worthy. And they threw the ball to Xavier Worthy. Wide receiver screen ended up being a loss, two-yard loss. By the way, why y'all still expect A.D. Mitchell to block DBs? I'll See, never that was know. J.T. Huh? Wasn't it J.T. on that? Oh, you're right. It was J.T. Sanders. It was yeah. J.C. Sanders. And I yeah. think they tried to get a bigger body out there. Well, but... it, was, it, was twi- it was out there at Twins at first. And then they came, he came in in motion right. to go come block the guy. Um, and I guess – but. You got to hurt JT Sanders trying to block him, and you got an AD Mitchell, not an enthusiastic blocker. Just seems to me that that may not have been the right way to go, but that's not what I'm criticizing, um, even though it probably could be. What I'm criticizing is that's the exact same play, essentially, conceptually, that they basically ran against Oklahoma in 2021, except without the JT Sanders uh, shift in motion out to block there. It's pretty much the same concept that he ran in 2021, except Xavier Worthy went to the house on that when that ended up being a touchdown. The second play, which ends up being the interception, go back and look. Essentially, that is the same play you start the Bama game out in. 12 personnel, one back, two tight ends. You go empty formation, no running back, nobody in the backfield except the quarterback. And to the two tight end side, the trip side, uh, you went trips with two tight ends and the running back to that side, ran a running back screen to that side, and the other side, so basically talking about package plays here, different plays to either side of the field, uh, half-field read for Quinn Ewers. And on the other side, they went with double slant. Now it's a twin side, the two-wide receiver side. And that's the same play they ran in the Bama game, except they threw it to the trip side, which was the running back screen side. In this game, they threw it to the, the twin side, which is the two-wide receiver side, but they still ran the same formation. They ran the same play concept and the same play design. There is no doubt in my mind that Oklahoma was prepared. Go back and watch the, the film. As soon as Texas shifts to empty, they automatically all have the same audible. They all audible the same thing. They all, all confirm with one another, and they play zone to the trip side. They man up the, uh, the, the twin side, and essentially go watch the corner on the twin side, two-hour receiver side. He is sitting on that route. He does not move. He's not backpedaling. He's not shuffling. He is sitting on the double slant. He has been well prepped to know it's going to be a double slant or it'll be a quick throw. The ball's coming out right now, and it's a half-field read for Quinn, which means he's not progressing through the read, uh, which means the safety and the linebacker, they go, they read the quarterback and go immediately to where the quarterback's eyes go. And they go to two wide receiver side. Both of those uh, defenders go to that. The safety goes to the deep high post. The, the linebacker drops underneath the number two slant. And the number one slant is jumped by the outside cornerback. And by the way, Quinn saw it. He just thought he should have thrown it because he's, he's been coached that those are predetermined throws. We're not reading defenders there. It's not a progression throw. That's a predetermined throw. Sark has told you, throw it. It's going to be open. He's giving you the, the fact it will be open. And Quinn saw it wasn't open and still threw it. That's the immaturity in his game. He's got to know, don't be a robot. Be coachable, but don't be a robot. If it ain't open, just throw it away. Yes. Or live to fight another day. No question about that. Uh, and that's, that is surprising because obviously Oklahoma was well 
schooled the entire game, right? They they had Texas a lot of times, which was good good, good scouting, good good coaching. But yeah, if you're going to show that, go do something else, as you said, slant and go, something big, something different, mm-hmm. break uh, tendency with it. Whatever. Yeah, break a tendency right there. Uh, especially if you're Sark, you can see that they're changing the audible in the play. I mean, that that's all there. But either way, frustrating because that's how the game began. And then, of course, Quinn threw the, another interception on his second pass or second series when the Longhorns had gotten the ball down inside mm-hmm. the 10-yard line and had a chance to retake the momentum. Uh, so but can we hear Quinn, number nine, there, Ty, on, on his interceptions in that moment, uh, what he saw, to, 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 to Rod's point here in the, uh, the burn orange curtain. Here's uh, Quinn when asked about the, the two early interceptions. He was nearly flawless after that. Did we miss, were we off on some stunts and different things? Stay on the field, and I felt good. Oklahoma's been good at getting interceptions this season. What did they do, particularly in that first quarter? That was uh, difficult to deal with. Yeah, it just wasn't, didn't start how, 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 how I wanted to. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, it's always tough whenever you get on the first two drives, so two interceptions. But I'm glad the way, um, you know, we bounced back and, you know, they started throwing, you know, some different looks at us and you know, trying to confuse us. But um, just proud of the way we, we, stu- we stayed and fought. All right, there's Quinn yours. Uh, that's good. good breakdown by Rod on uh, maybe not enough creativity on those first two plays, bringing back old things that are already on tape. In big games, um, Texas, you know, Quinn Ewers did settle down for sure, which yeah. is credit to him and Sark because uh, he put up over almost 350 yards passing in the game. We'll come back when we do. What's popping to wrap things up? Get you ready for Sark's news conference at 11 o'clock. We won't be carrying that news conference. We'll certainly be paying attention to it because Sark will update the injury report, what the bye week game plan will be, uh, getting ready, getting get off their feet a little bit. We'll we'll get ready for that as well. What's popping coming next though? What's popping? Brand new whip just hopped in. All right, what's poppin'? To wrap up the fabulous fifth quarter in our five-hour conversation this morning. We'll do it again tomorrow at 6 a.m. We'll have uh, Sark Sound from today's news conference, which is coming up here shortly from campus. Also today and tonight, Rod, we've got baseball and football. Oh, yeah. National League back in after the American League. American League took center stage last night. Astros lost to the Twins. Not poppin'. Uh, by the way, uh, is popping for the Astros, Mr. October, the new Mr. October. Remember, it used to be Reggie Jackson. Oh, yeah. It's now Jordan Alvarez. He had two home runs in their game, one win, had another one last night in the loss. Mm. That guy is feared in October, it's and rightfully so. But Clutch. Twins did get the game they needed, so they go back to Minnesota uh, with a split. Rangers, they've been popping, Ron. They've been popping people in the mouth. They've outscored the Rays and Orioles now in four playoff wins, or 4 0, 25 to 11. And now they're going mm-hmm. to uh, on the road, actually back home from they were on the road in Baltimore, won both games, and they come home to uh, to close out, and they can be in the ALCS with one win in Arlington on uh, Tuesday night. Have you heard um, what some of the players are requesting the crowd sing what? during the game? Uh, Creed. What's popping? No, I'm just kidding. What's why? It? Why? Uh, because supposedly when they had a little bit of a lull midseason, they uh, were trying to have more fun, so they all started singing Creed pregame together. The players, and, and yeah, and they wow. said if the crowd, if they play Creed, uh, Creed and the crowd sings along, they will get them very hyped up. So Man. I expect to see that. I would expect night. to see that at what's yeah. popping with the Arlington okay. situation Creed. tonight. It's Phillies okay. and uh, Atlanta. Remember Atlanta, this historically great offense. They lost game one, got beat three zip. So Philadelphia mm-hmm. it can take a decisive. Remember the the Phillies surprised the Braves last year in the divisional round. People are asking deja vu. They'll play tonight. That's a huge game. 
And obviously the Dodgers on the ropes already. They got pummeled by the Diamondbacks on Saturday. Part of that quadruple header, Clayton Kershaw got bombed. We know the Rangers, the uh, Dodgers have all kinds of pitching problems, but uh, they need this one tonight. They're going to have uh, Zach Gallon, the best pitcher for the Diamondbacks, against uh, their, their, their kid, uh, right-hander Miller, a young guy. Uh, so Bobby Miller gets the ball for the Dodgers. That's a problem because they, mm-hmm. they didn't need Clayton Kershaw because we know Clayton Kershaw, his postseason woes have been well documented over his Hall of Fame career. He had him again on Monday or on Saturday, got shelled in the first inning. Uh, he gave up six runs during all the football games we're going on. Rod, what do you have that's popping tonight? Uh, actually, I'll probably I'll probably rewatch the Texas OU game just one more time. I, I want to watch the lines of scrimmage a little bit more, so I might do that. Uh, tonight, and I got to catch up on a lot of trash TV, man. My trash TV is just, I've been falling yeah, off. I need you to get on Naked Attraction. It's the bye week. I know what I'm saying. I need, exactly. It's my catch naked up on some attraction. trash. Naked Afraid. I still got some of that to watch. Uh, but Monday Night Football, who's the game tonight? Who's playing tonight? Green Bay. Green Bay in Las Vegas, which means there's going to be a ton of cheeseheads. I don't know how sexy that is. Green Bay hasn't lost to the Raiders since like 1980. Ooh, well, it's, it's a Green Bay without, you know, well, a good quarterback, but you're right. It's a long time. No, I'll take Raiders. Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels. Raiders Raiders have also had the uh, (laughs) Raiders have also had the uh, you know Chandler Chandler Jones mess that they've been dealing with. He's not with the team anymore. They seem to. It's got to be tough to be an NFL player, Rod, especially if you're a little bit undisciplined to live in Vegas. I didn't. Uh, I didn't realize he was uh, John Jones' brother. Yes, he is Chandler Jones. So they're both a little crazy. The the fighter. Could you? Could you? I mean, you could handle it because you're a very disciplined individual. In your younger days, no, would that be a problem? Yes, yeah, a problem for everybody. There's always these uh, NBA. And I would probably know about this. The NBA. There's people keep up with this. Keep track of NBA's uh, players' games when they play in like Miami or they play in Las Vegas, and like, the uh, the home record of those teams, as in the, uh, the 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 away records of those teams who have to travel and they travel to Miami and they travel to Las Vegas. There's always <laughs> always kind of a disproportionate amount of losses for the teams who are traveling to those really uh, glamour locations, and Vegas is one of them. So, yeah, I think it happens to everybody. You can get easily distracted there, whether you played there or whether you're going on the road to play there. So you're taking the Packers tonight as your What's Poppin' pick, brought to you by my Bookie, bookie Tie. Bush Minus up. two and a half. Minus two Packers. and a half. Don't, right. be, don't ever bet on Josh McDaniels. Yeah, I wouldn't either, but yeah. uh, didn't they get embarrassed in their last game? Mm. Packers. Wasn't yeah, good. I believe that was the case. Well, because Jordan Love, he started out pretty hot in the first couple of games, and now Detroit, he's Detroit. Yeah, that was that Thursday night game. Detroit been in there yeah. and humbled them. He's starting to regress. He's starting to look like. Uh, but Jordan remember, Love. teams who get embarrassed on national television on a primetime game typically bounce back the next game. They're professionals, man. They're pros. They got pride. But wants to Speaking be Speaking of getting embarrassed on national TV, the Cowboys did last night. Can I give you the first six possessions? The possessions during a stretch of the first half. Mm. Niners, seven plays, 75 yards, Tutty. Cowboys, three plays, 16 yards, pick. Mm. Next drive, 12 plays, 62 yards, Tutty. <laughs> Two plays, zero yards, pick. <laughs> 49ers, one play, 26 yard, Tutty. Oh. Cowboys, three plays, 33 yards, pick. Oh! Gotta hate when that happens. U G L Y. That's ugly. And that's one that Kyle Shanahan, your good buddy, wants to frame right there. Mm, that's, small that's Dak him. energy right there. Not and the big Big Brock energy. energy. Big Brock <laughs> I just saw a clip where Rex Ryan was on ESPN this morning and said, Oh, no. said any quarterback essentially could flourish in that system. 
Uh, Come on, man. Not, not to this extent. Not to this extent. Give Brock Purdy some yeah, love. Yeah, give Brock his flowers. Man. He's balling. Great. He's balling. Rod, enjoy Naked Attraction tonight. And, I'm going to try uh, to, brother. And the trash TV and the film study. Yes, sir. Not as much film study during the bye week. We appreciate that. We will also uh, have more on the baseball. I'll be watching that tonight and Monday Night Football. And more on the Longhorns. Can they fight their way back? The uh, quest begins tomorrow at 6 a.m. here on Hook'em Up with Ian Rod B. Romy, Jim Rome is next.